0: This is Dan Bender, Executive Producer of the Singles
1: Podcasting Network. Today, I'm excited to present Single Living, a podcast that brings you straight talk on everything that concerns today's singles, including relationships, dating, travel, and financial security. Single Living is hosted by Rich Goss, a well-respected expert in the singles industry. He is the author of eight books on dating and has lectured on the subject in over 50 colleges and universities. Rich is frequently interviewed by the news media, including Oprah, CNN, Fox News, and The Wall Street Journal, to name just a few. And now, here's the host of Single Living, Rich Goss. My guest today is internationally acclaimed author and numerologist, Beryl Nozidar, A New Zealander, Beryl has been doing tarot and numerology readings for more than 25 years. She has traveled all over the world, from England to Africa, to the United States and Europe, spreading her spiritual wisdom. She is the author of Find Your Heart Number. Welcome, Beryl. Welcome. Thank you. How are you finding this visit in the United States?
2: Well, I always love coming here, but I, I love returning back to my beautiful New Zealand even more.
1: Well, now you have a beautiful retreat house in New Zealand, don't you?
2: Yes, so we have um, ten acres of land, which is um, on the north part of New Zealand. Because um, the North Island and the South Island are very different. The yes. North Island is subtropical, so we're on the, the coastline. Uh, we have um, about four acres of grassland. We've got a, an acre of the orchard, and then we have five acres of bush, which just goes right down to the to the ocean front. So it's absolutely magnificent.
1: And do you have that on your website? Uh, the the pictures yes, of places. Yes, we do.
2: We're inviting people to come and join this because it's um, it's often very difficult for um, people in the states to go somewhere where they have rainwater, where they have organic food, yes. where the, the air is less polluted, and you can also walk and enjoy the countryside and um, get get some spiritual sustenance.
1: Right, and the website is com, and I'm going to spell it because your name is an unusual one. Beryl is B-E-R-Y-L, and Nozidar is N-O-Z-E-D-A-R. So we'll plug that website at the end of the interview as well. But let's get into numerology. What is numerology, Beryl?
2: Numerology is to do with the energy that comes from numbers. Uh, it was first discovered by the Greek mathematician Pythagoras thousands of years ago. And he um, decided that there was certain, like a, a one has got a different energy to say a nine. Uh, the numerology that I do is based on your date of birth and also the spelling of your name.
1: Right, and you wrote a book on this topic called Find Your Heart Number.
2: Yeah, this, this was quite interesting because basically what happened, I've, I've done lots and lots of readings for people, and there were times when maybe um, couples weren't getting on, and so I would do the numerology of everyone, and people would come to say to me, "Who am I compatible with?" So I thought it would be a good idea, rather than repeating the same thing over and over again, to yes. write the book so people could have a, a look you know, um, and decide whether they could, um, whether the partner was compatible or not. How,
1: how did you get into counselling people with numerology in tarot?
2: Well, just as a matter of Interest years ago, I did a um, basic course in numerology and started doing this on my children and my family and realized um, how helpful it was. Uh, I had a son who um, would never do what I asked him to do,
0: <laughs> and his number was a one. Yes.
2: And so, of course, ones make better cheese than Indians. So I could understand my children, understand my parents, my, my friends. And so it helped me in a, a lot of ways. And then I used it with the numerology as well. The tarot the was an interesting thing because I was working as a stenographer at the justice department. And when people came in, I just had a feeling you know, whether they were guilty or whether they were, they were innocent. And I developed this psychic ability also with doing yoga. So um, I went to see a lady who told me that I would be an international psychic and travel the world, which, you know, I thought Mm -hmm. she was talking out of her, you know,
0: back of the head. Right.
2: But I I bought her a pack of tarot cards um, and just then started doing readings, and it just went from there. It just absolutely mushroomed.
1: Wonderful. And, and get into the compatibility a little bit because what I like about uh, some of the things that you do is you make it very clear from the story you tell about your family and your son and so forth that a lot of people out there get angry because the other person you know doesn't fit whatever expectations they have and, and they think there's something wrong with that person or something bad about that person. And the fact of the matter is that uh, we're not necessarily compatible with every person in the world. And there is going to be friction because of the different personality makeups that we have. And certainly that applies to our children because, uh, you know, we're not able to choose uh, all the different characteristics they have when they're born. A lot of that is predetermined. And unless you give permission to people to be themselves, and if you try to force them into a particular mold, it's going to destroy that relationship, wouldn't you say?
2: Precisely. There's a lovely saying, the New Zealand Maoris say that when we're born, we're like a rough piece of jade. And all that life should do is polish the piece of jade. And yes. so often people try to change the piece of jade because you can enhance that. But you can't really change it.
1: Well, you use the phrase, "barrel." I, I believe a leopard doesn't change its spots. So what do you mean by that in, in terms of numerology?
2: If, if you're, say for one thing, say you're, you're a Taurus, you can't become an Aries. Yes. So if you're one, you can't become a two. So th- there is a basic personality that we have.
1: And could you go into those nine personality types according to numerology?
2: Basically what happens, it's, um, I'll just explain a little bit first of all, numerology is like a cake. It's got chocolate, it's got flour, it's got eggs, and it's got milk. And sometimes I hear people saying, I'm a number one. Well, you can't be just a number one. It's a combination of numbers. So you, but you have a dominant personality or a dominant number. And this is the day that you were born. So if you were born on the 19th or the 10th or the one, you have these numbers together. So the dominant personality of a, of a one, they are, they are a leader. And they're very independent, so so they are never going to be a follower. These are the people that um, are destined, or it's it's natural for them to be a leader.
1: And is there a famous one in history, Beryl, that you could uh, cite to us? oh Gosh, <laughs> <laughs> put put you on the spot there.
2: And you, you, know, you won't believe this. I've actually written these in my book,
1: <laughs> <laughs> and,
2: and because um, I've done like the spiritual energy of the one, but basically uh, a president, a president would be a one. Okay. Because they're more likely to be, um, you know, out there and asking people to follow them.
1: And what's the difficulty of trying to relate to someone who is a one? What do you have to look out for if you're in a relationship with a one?
2: Well, if you're with a one, you can't tell them what to do because
1: it's just one.
2: <laughs> so you, you would plant a seed there. You would say, do you think it would be a good idea to go to the movies? And they will then think it's their idea because. Right. Um, they, they like it. One, the thinkers. They're innovative. They're pioneers. So you know, they really like to do things their way. They like to come to their own decisions.
1: Yes. And what would you say a two is? What? How would they be different from a one?
2: Now, a one and a two can get on very well because the two is receptive. They are the followers. They are the nurturers. So they are happy to follow. Um, the problem with the two is they can find it hard to make decisions. They can think of a good reason to do one thing and a good reason to do another. So if the one says, well, let's go this way, they're happy to go. So basically, two is a softer personality.
1: So what you're saying is that the twos are the ones that are easy to get along with. And the ones, you know, they may be exciting and may become president of the United States or president of New Zealand, but they're never going to uh, be really easy to relate with.
2: No, um, a, t- a two would be a person that would be very happy to to support, said the president, because they are people that don't want to be in the limelight. Yes. they quite happy to be aware of, you know, in the home or something like this.
1: And tell us about the threes, Beryl.
2: The oh, threes are lovely. Um, threes are real fun bunnies. They, they love a challenge, and they're a real free spirit. And so when you, when you meet a threes, they're very likable people. The, the disadvantage is that they're often are like a butterfly. They can fly from one flower to another without a definite direction. Uh, they're um, involved in discovery. They just love new things. So a three is a very interesting person to be around. They, they often they go from job to job to job, but they have a, a, a wide variety of, of knowledge because of this.
1: So a woman who was looking for a husband who was going to be a good provider and be able to make the mortgage payment looking for financial stability might want to steer away from a three.
2: (laughs) <laughs> I mean, if she wants a fun time, fine, but, yes. um, but if, if, if a three would also have a four in the numerology and the date of birth, this would be perfect, because yes. they would love the challenge, but they would also, and, you know, obviously we'll talk about four, because four are more logical, practical, so it, it, it wouldn't be just a typical three. You would look, if a person had a three-day born, three months, and three years, yes, you'd steer away.
1: Yes, and and getting into those fours which you just started to do. Tell us about them.
2: Fours are the logical, practical, dependable people. A four is to they say they're going to ring you at at ten, ten o'clock. Yes. They could ring you at ten to ten to say I can't make it. So uh-huh. fours are dependable. Yes. The the downside of four is that they often don't like to move. They um, they can be a little stubborn. Uh, you, you know why they are, and the. A matter of interest, if you have a three who is the butterfly and the four is more like the log, this can be compatible because the log is there for the butterfly to come back on. Yes. So this can the, the four can actually neutralize the energy of the, the three.
1: And what about number five? Tell us about those personality characteristics.
2: Um, five is a very talkative. They're people people, the, the teachers, the writers, the communicators, the actors. And these are people that are very quick, quick thinking, quick acting, quick moving, sometimes a little impatient. But they're the people who uh, can talk, small talk, can talk to anybody about anything.
1: So they're good flirts, that they'd be good at a party. Oh, yes. (laughs) (laughs) And and the negative thing about them might be that they have a tendency to be motor mouths. You can get a little tedious after a while. You're right,
2: because they will talk about anything. Yes. A four could find a five a little frustrating because fours are a few words where a five never stop talking.
1: <laughs> and uh, number six, tell us about them.
2: Six is, it's a beautiful number. It's loving. It's nurturing. Sixes are the people that tend to work in healing. They're affectionate. They're um, the people who, if, if it was a lady, she would love romance, love flowers. If she didn't get this, she could feel a little rejected so it's it's good to understand a six if you you want know, you to have to give them a little flower or something like that and they'll be they'll be happy but sixes do need to be touched to be had to be loved
1: yes and and what do you avoid in, in a six or what do you have to be prepared for that uh, might rub you the wrong way revenge <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> a, a six the person they get on the wrong side of them you know watch out for the nails because they can often be very vindictive
1: really and and they're kind of like an elephant that they never forget oh yes <laughs> <laughs> and what about number seven?
2: seven seven is a very sensitive number it's feeling it's um, often sevens are intuitive they also like travel so a seven is, is a person that's um, like a four a four really doesn't like travel but a seven does if you were to get a 4 and a 7 you could come across a little bit of a, um, a problem there, there would have to be some compromise because 7 is, is the number in the, in the tarot it's the chariot and the chariot is movement so they like to move the downside is that they can lack confidence, fear failure and not do things because uh, if, they, if, they, um, if they feel they're not going to succeed they will just avoid doing it totally
1: Okay, so that's number seven, and uh, tell us about number eight.
2: Um, eights are possibly one of the hardest working people you can, you can get. It was interesting when I worked in the Justice Department, a lot of people have eights, because eights like justice. The downside of this is that they can be workaholics, mm-hmm. They can provide the partner with the material things of life, but not the emotional and, and if, if, they are, if they are working, they'll expect somebody else to be working as hard as they do.
1: And what about number nine, the final number in numerology?
2: Nine is, is the strongest of all the numbers in numerology. Uh, in math, if you multiply nine by two, it's 18 and one and eight is nine. So it's called the indestructible number. So It's a, it's a number that's tenacious, the perfectionist. When you get to nine, they, if they've done something 99% right... They will tend to think that they may have done it wrong. But you know, they mm-hmm. like to get a hundred percent. So nuns are the most tenacious of all people,
1: and they're perfectionists. I take it.
0: The
2: perfectionists. Yes. Um, they also are very, they're very diligent. They, they can overwork. This is, this is the eights and nuns are people that can overwork. But they provide the bacon, so that you know they bring the material need.
1: Yes. Well, well, so there's where the, the contradiction comes in. The nines are the ones who work so hard and earn a lot of money, but on the other hand, if you're in a relationship with them, they never have any time to spend it on you or with you.
2: That's so. But, you know, what, what I believe, you know, this is, the, the numbers are the basic energy of a person. You yes. can always, you know, when you have someone who's a nine, you can say, how about having a bit of a break and let's go and, uh, go and walk in the park? So you can always modify, because I believe that relationships come together to interact and modify and then become, you know, compatibility of communication. And so if you have a nine, you would gently say to them, honey, wouldn't it be a good idea for us to go for a walk?
1: And which number are you, barrel by the way, of the nine personality types? You,
2: well, you might, you might as well know, I'm the motor mouth, I'm the fives.
1: <laughs> well then, I'm glad I called you to interview you because not everybody can uh, carry on a 28-minute conversation over the phone and over the radio broadcasting waves. And of course, we're on the podcasting network right now. Well,
0: we and, could possibly go for uh, yeah.
2: four days. You know, I mean, you could have to find a way to shut me up.
1: Yeah, I, I think my producer would definitely edit this interview if we went too long. But uh, let, let's, let's go on. What do you do? Here's the $64,000 question, Beryl. What do you do if you're in a relationship with somebody and they're a wonderful person and you're very attracted to them and you have a lot of fun with them and uh, physically they're very exciting as well? You've got a fantastic romance and sex life with them. But what do you, what do, you do if you're basically incompatible with them? Uh, is, is there light at the end of the tunnel or do you just, just have to dump them and choose somebody who's more appropriate?
2: Well, by what you said, that, that doesn't actually sound very incompatible because if you've got a great sex life or and whatever, and all the others. but I think yes. that what happens, often we are physically attracted to someone and there's a vibe there, there's an energy, but when it comes to communication, this is often where the problem lies. And I think that understanding this person's numbers gives you some idea that, for example, if you have a four and they come home from work, they don't want to talk. They want to sit there and they want to never read the newspaper. 30 minutes later, they will say a hi. Now, you get a six. A six wants to be hugged. So the minute the four comes in, the six wants a kiss. And if the six realizes that fours just don't do this and give you a kiss in 30 minutes, yes. then, then it's an understanding of this. Because I think that basically anyone can get on if if you, you're accepting your partner. Because when you first meet them, you actually accept them for what they are. And then often there's a, um, an attempt to change them to fit your personality. where Uh-oh,
1: now, now we're getting into that dirty word, change, which uh, seems to destroy just about every good relationship out there. For some reason or other, even though you're strongly attracted to somebody and you fall madly in love with them, at some point you decide, no, I really don't like the way they are. I've got to change them from top to bottom
2: which is why relationships fail.
1: Yes, exactly. And, and what you're saying is don't try to change them, but you can work with them. Once you understand their needs and their personality makeup, you can adjust your behavior in such a way that you can be more compatible. Basically, you're saying you can be compatible with anyone if you work hard enough at it.
2: You can. You see, what, what happens, you, with each number, there's a, a positive and there's a negative. And if you try to change them, you can bring out the negative energy rather than enhancing that to bring out the positive.
1: Because people resent anybody trying to change them.
2: You know, I honestly believe if there's that vibe there, there's that electricity. You can get on well with anyone if you're prepared to accept them. And, you know, like um, we're talking about the five who would be be talking all the time. The four could say, honey, you know, could you just give me 30 minutes and then we'll talk later. And so it's not saying, God, when I come in, you're always talking. And this is what people do. They get defensive and angry, which really... It's it's like standing on a flower. The love that's first there gets squashed.
1: Yes. And let's talk a little bit about women. I know that you say that women have a bad tendency to rush into relationships. Why is that?
2: Well, you know, i would thought of writing a book called Desperate Women and Unavailable Men. Because, <laughs> the, because basically, the um, the man is the hunter. If you could if you go back to the actual nature, the man is the hunter. And, you know, the, the woman is the prey. And I see so right. many women running after the, the man, they're so, they're so desperate. And the man's basic nature is to court. I, you know, possibly 97% of my readings are with desperate women.
0: Or when they
2: get into, <laughs> you know, it's, it, it, it's keeping me buoyant. Um, when they get into a relationship, it's, it, is this the one? And, yes. You know, it, within four weeks. Why haven't got an engagement ring on?
0: You have,
2: to, you have to allow a relationship to be It's, it's almost as if there's this this, this hurry. This, um, but, you know, because I don't I don't know. Here, there seem to be some quite nice men here in New Zealand. that There are five women to one man, so I can see why the desperation is there. <laughs>
1: Yes, here in the United States we don't have as bad of a male-female ratio, but of course there are more single women in America than men. In fact, to be exact, there are 43 million single women in the United States, that is adult single women, and only 41 million single men in America. So there's a 2 million uh, surplus single women in America.
2: Uh, That's interesting. Is that also because women live longer?
1: Yes, exactly. The average woman in the United States lives five years longer than the average man, so you would think that, uh, especially women as they get older, they find that the odds get worse and worse for them because, uh, you know, after 35, which is uh, the... Uh, the middle age group there, where you know you have fifty percent men, fifty percent women at age thirty-five, and from that point on, the men start dropping off like flies. So by the time a woman reaches age sixty in the United States, for every single man age sixty in America, there are three and a half single women age sixty. So it gets tough for women as they get older, and I do see that desperation tends to come in as women get older, and they see that uh, the dating pool is not as large as they would like it to be. But
2: you know, it's not only that because um, in California, uh, a lot of the relationships are built on the physical. Yes. And as you're getting older, you maybe you know you're not as a, attractive. Whereas in New Zealand, it's totally different because um, the, the physical is not as, is, is not as um, people aren't as so much interested in, in the physical. And so the relationships there, you know, when they're getting relationships, often are, are longer lasting because if you're looking for soulmates, you're not going to find this in the Silicon. Boob job or whatever it is, you know, it's yes. who the person is, what, um, who they are inside, and I found that there's a lot of people who are looking for the blonde, tall, da 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 da, here. Yes. And so, I, you know, I get women who come to me, and if they if they don't fit into that mould, then they become desperate because they think they're they're not desirable, which is yes. Heck.
1: Well, it's unfortunate, but that is the society we have in America. It is a very superficial society. People are very much into exterior beauty. You know, this is where Hollywood is based, of course, in America. And uh, you're saying New Zealand is a little bit different, that people are less superficial. They're more looking for the soulmate rather than the bedmate?
2: Yes, um, basically because there's a lot of farmers there. So, the, 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 the start, I mean, Auckland's different, but with the farmers... You know, it's, it's a lady who could actually be, be quite, you know, quite plump and, um, you know, who would fix his bacon and eggs and look after the, after the children. So in, in a lot of ways, it's a different type of lifestyle. It's not, uh, it's an easier lifestyle.
1: Now, you've been all over the world barreled uh, teaching people about numerology and counseling people, and you've talked a little bit about America and New Zealand. Uh, Maybe you could tell us a little bit about some of the other countries and how they differ in terms of male-female relationships and dating and so forth. For example, Australia, the the cousin to New Zealand, what would you say about the Aussies in terms of dating?
2: The the Australian man is basically quite... You know, I'm generalizing here, not everyone. It's basically quite coarse, and so it's a lot harder for... Australian women over there than it is here. I I haven't spent a lot of time in Australia, but it's very similar to New Zealand, but the the men are harder to get on with. But what I found very interesting was when I was in Africa, because basically there I saw the the most compatible um, relationships ever. Now, you're going to laugh about this one. And that's because the man had four wives.
0: <laughs>
2: and so, therefore, he didn't stray because he didn't have time to. So, <laughs> if he only had one, there would be three women going hungry. Yes. So, I see. The,
0: what you're the, saying.
2: the women all looked after the children, so one could go to the market while the other one looked after it. And that worked. I mean, I'm not suggesting that we do it here. But it was a situation where every child was loved by every adult and also chastised by every adult. So it was very compatible, and you know quite interesting living there I, I didn't see um, I didn't see women roaming in the street looking for a man but, you know, they were all hooked up
1: interesting so if you're looking for a husband go to Africa but be prepared to share <laughs>
2: Well, I mean, you get got the housework shared as well, weren't you? So, yes.
1: <laughs> well, right, of course. And and getting back to Australia, and you were mentioning as well with New Zealand, you're saying the men are more difficult to get along with in those countries than they are here in America, for example?
2: Well, the, the basic Australia. I mean, in, in, this is not all of it, because in Sydney it can be a little difficult, a, a little different, but um, basically the, the Australian man um, is a drinker and it's it's changing now, but when I was over there, if there was a party, most of the men would be in the garage, while all the women would be in, inside talking about babies.
1: I know when I was talking to single women in Australia, they were very negative about single men. And, and what the Australian women told me was, when you go out on a date with an Australian man, all he wants to do is go down to the pub, right. and he wants to, and all he wants to do in the pub is drink and fight. Yes. <laughs>
2: Well, there's a lot of Irish descent that you know in Australia, but, but basically it's it's drinking. You know, it, you, it would be hard to find an Australian man without a can in his hand.
1: Well, you know, I've been to Australia many times doing singles conventions and I want to defend the Australian men because I've met a lot of them and and just about every Australian man I've met has been a really decent guy, very friendly, uh, certainly fun to be with. So I actually uh, think very highly of Australian men, but I must say that some of the Australian women are somewhat negative towards uh, Australian men and they seem to think that American men are the best ones because supposedly they treat women as an equal. Would you say that's true?
2: I feel when I've seen relationships. Here, yes, you know when I've seen a good one, it's it's a really good one. Um, you know things are, things are changing. They're changing in Australia, and of course, you know you were saying you were talking to the Australian men. Well, you know the great with Australia, the great with men. It's when it's with the women that you have the problems. Yes. The way they treat them um, in in New Zealand it used to be very difficult. It was similar to Australia, but women are fighting now. They just won't tolerate what they did before. Yes.
1: And I believe you're originally from England, is that correct? Yes, yes. And, and tell us a little bit about the British men. How would they compare with Americans and Australians and New Zealand?
2: Well, I, I left there in 75, but the reason I left there is because most of the men go to the pub. In you know, Yorkshire, where I was born, they're going to the pub. Friday night is men's night out, women aren't allowed. And uh-huh. so, basically, it's, you know, there's a pub on every corner. So, yes. most men go to the pub. Some men go to the pub every night of the Lions. You know, if you you don't
0: like
1: drinking, you're stuck. Yes. Well, we're running out of time here, Beryl. I want to remind everybody that you do have a book, which uh, certainly is available for them to read, called Find Your Heart Number. You also have your health and spiritual retreat in New Zealand, your 10 acres there. And information about everything you do is available on your website at berylnozidar.com. I'd like to thank my guest, Beryl Nozidar. Single Living is a production of the Singles Podcasting Network in San Rafael, California. If you have any comments or suggestions about Single Living, feel free to email us at singleliving@singlespodcastingnetwork.com. at singlespodcastingnetwork.com. Again, thank you, Beryl, for joining us.
2: My pleasure.
1: Until next time, this is your host, Rich Goss.